Good morning, Indianapolis, and thank you for tuning in to Open Lines. I'm Ebony Chappelle. And I'm Cameron Riddle. Good morning, Indianapolis. Good morning. We have a jam-packed show for you. We're going to get started with the Congressman Andre Carson. And later on in the show, we have some breaking news. We're going to hear from the IPS bus driver speaking out for the first time since uh, that massive call-off on Friday morning. But, Kim, before we jump all into that, I know that you have some news for us. Yes. Uh, we'll get to this. Do you want to tell will you, where you went this week? Oh, yeah. I had a lot going on this week. Um, I really want to give a huge shout-out to the U.S. Postal Service um, for inviting me to be a part of their Gwen Eiffel um, postage stamp dedication. That was really incredible. I was so happy to be there. And yeah, happy Black History Month. All right. And I want to give a shout out. It was opposite for us. You were in the bed last night and I was out Yes. Uh, I was up in Gary late last night. And so I just want to give a shout out to my Aunt Angela and Uncle Cedric on their 30 years of marriage. Big party up there last night. That's beautiful. We love that. Slid in late last night at 1 a.m. And we are back here this morning. Rock star style. And we could not miss it today because there is so much going on in the news that we are about to break some news here on the show. But first, let's get you caught up on what happened overnight in the news. Parents of IPS students may be a bit on edge this morning as they try to plan for this time tomorrow. Will the school buses be running in central Indiana's largest school district? On Friday, hundreds of buses were parked and routes were canceled after 95 Indianapolis public school bus drivers in attendance called off work early Friday morning. A clearly angry IPS superintendent, Alicia Johnson, called Friday a travesty and blamed bus drivers who she called rogue employees. She believes the drivers and attendants called in sick as a form of protest against the district's decision to outsource transportation to a private bus company and force all drivers to reapply for their jobs. While the district has already signed the deal with the bus company for student, it is still unclear what the bus drivers will be paid, what their benefits will be, and how many hours the drivers and attendants will work. Those staffers say that needs to be figured out sooner than later. An exclusive interview with the bus drivers of IPS is coming up this morning on Open Lines. Concerns about coronavirus are continuing to grow after the first death due to coronavirus inside the United States. Health officials say the patient who died in Washington state was in their late 50s. As of early Saturday, the U.S. has 66 cases of coronavirus, which includes nine people who have recovered. In the forecast, it's a cold start this morning, but we will end the day warmer than yesterday with a high of 55 degrees and partly cloudy skies on this first day of March. Monday calls for a high of 50 with rain likely. Right now, it is 28 degrees in Indy. And back live with us here this morning, all the way from Washington, D.C., is our Congressman Andre Carson Ebony. We've been wanting to have the Congressman yes. on because there's a lot to talk to him <laughs> there about. There is a lot to talk about. And you mentioned um, in the news about the first death in the U.S. from coronavirus. And I know he has been very outspoken about that. Um, so we definitely want to ask him about that. Congressman Carson, how are you doing this morning? Good morning, Ebony. Good morning, Cameron. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm great. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Very it's, happy to have you. You are uh, you are out in Washington, D.C. this morning, right? You know, actually, I just got back to Indy, but I head back. Um, I, it's a rapid turnaround. So I wanted to get 
talk to you guys because I made Ebony a promise, a promise, a promise, <laughs> and I wanted to keep it because I'm a fan of the show. Well, we appreciate you being here. Absolutely. So, Congressman, jumping right into it, a lot of people right now are scared about the coronavirus. We just had our first reported death in the U.S. from the virus. Um, We have, I believe it's about 60 cases um, here in the U.S. of it, and people are really, really fearful. Um, But you have come out and spoken out about uh, what the president has failed to do in terms of taking care of this. Just wanted to have you elaborate on that a little bit more. Yeah, I think, I think all of us as as Americans and and as Hoosiers, uh, we should be concerned about the virus. Uh, You know, the the president is trying to cut the CDC's budget by about 20%. Mm -hmm. And this is at a time when it's more important than ever to make sure the, this agency is fully funded. So we've seen the administration, we, it has left critical positions in charge of really managing pandemics vacant at, you know, we've had the National Security Council and even the Department of Homeland Security. And now he's planning to cut funding from other programs to pay for the corona response, including one that pays for heating and cooling assistance for poor people. Wow. So it, it, it seems like so far the administration's response has been, I think, haphazard. It's like, they are they're they're okay with robbing Peter to pay Paul. And the Trump administration for years has worked to rip off health care for millions of people and even cut programs like Medicare and Medicaid. So after more than three years, after more than three years of I think effectively trying to weaken our health care infrastructure, now we're in a situation where it's vitally important that our health care system is as strong as possible. And I, I, I worry that this administration is really unprepared to handle a possible outbreak and Americans are going to pay the price. So thankfully, the House will be swiftly advancing a strong strategic funding package, which is why I have to get back to D.C., with, with the transparency and accountability involved in it that really addresses the scale and seriousness of uh, this kind of public health crisis. So my hope is that uh, Vice President Pence, the fellow Hoosier, uh, he learned from his previous mistakes in his uh, response to Indiana's... Into the, the HIV crisis. crisis. Yeah, Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. That occurred under his watch. Yep. So if he takes the helm, uh, I hope that uh, I urge him uh, to listen to members of Congress and the advice of our top nation's health officials. Congressman, um, this is a census year, and uh, this is something that every time it comes up, you know, there's been conspiracies about it and and, uh, misinformation about it since the very beginning. Can you talk about how important it is uh, for people to respond to the census and what happens when you don't? Well, you know, uh, uh, the the U.S., our census numbers have to be counted every 10 years, and that's constitutionally inscribed. And the, the numbers of the data that's collected, it determines the number of seats that each state has in the House of Representatives and how hundreds of billions of dollars are really allocated to states and local municipalities for important programs uh, that nonprofits have authority over, that states administer, that cities administer. And it, it, it matters because particularly the 2020 census, you're going to have communities influence, government influence, 
for-profit entities influence, nonprofits and NGOs influence over the next decade. So the numbers that are received is going to help decision makers in all sectors um, really make critical determinations as to which communities get what, whether it's rural communities, whether it's urban centers, certainly poor, black folks, minorities, and others, and the disabled and senior communities get their fair share of our tax dollars. So we're talking about basic community needs. We're talking about food and income security. We're talking about health care, education, housing, transportation, and so much more. So we're talking about roughly $1.5 to $2 trillion in federal funds, and that, that, that funding will help with WIC programs, food stamps, SNAPs, uh, SNAP, um, uh, CHIP, Children's Health Insurance Program, Medicare, Medicaid, Head Start programs, early Head Start, and so on and so forth. But we need folks to participate to make sure every state, every local municipality is getting its fair share. You know what, Congressman, um, thank you so much for speaking on that. And one thing that I wanted to ask as a follow-up, you spoke about the importance of participating um, as our congressman, people, you know, instill a lot of trust in you and look to you to kind of tell us what's going on. What would you say to those that are listening right now that are still leery about participating and about um, and leery about sharing this information to make sure that their communities are accounted for? What would you say to help kind of calm their fears about that? No, that's, uh, that's so important. If, if you're registered to vote or even if you have a job and you pay taxes, and you're concerned about the government's misuse of your taxpayer dollars, it's important to participate in the census because the, you and your family and your friends participating, it allows the government, it allows uh, your representatives and those who are in our government or bureaucracy to use that data to make sure you're getting your fair share your, your communities are getting their fair share in terms of allotting money to pay for programs that help sustain the community, to help for programs, to pay for programs that help uh, strengthen our senior communities, that strengthen our, our indigent populations, that make sure that single mothers are cared for, and to make sure that families who don't have the means and resources uh, to really sustain their existence are getting help from the very governments, local, state, and federal, uh, who use their money to pay for infrastructure projects. But also, it, it will ensure that you have the representation you deserve and you need in terms of casting the vote on your behalf in places like the Halls of Congress. Congressman, um, we talk about government and, and giving them what they need. There was a checks and balance, a little bit of um, activity, if you will, that happened in Washington over the past couple of months. And I'm talking about impeachment. Uh, you yep. were um, uh, one of the um, prosecuting, if you will, uh, uh, elected officials who was holding the president accountable. Obviously, that is said and done now. But I just want to ask um in your time in Congress, where does this rank? Because uh, a lot of people go to Congress and never go through that experience of impeachment. Some people have got to do it twice or three times, but um, even to do it is very unique out of the you know 45 presidents we've had. Yeah, you know, it, it, it was a tremendous honor uh, for me, and I, I can certainly speak on behalf of my colleagues. Uh, my, my participation in it, I mean, it... it, 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 it 
followed up with some death threats uh, that we received, which wow. is why uh, you'll see me sometimes with some guys with security. But uh, a lot of people were unhappy about my participation. And, you know, I'm, 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 I'm very disappointed that uh, uh, some of my Republican colleagues, particularly the GOP-controlled Senate, they basically voted to acquit President Trump on both articles of impeachment. And I think it was a miscarriage of justice, obviously. I think with the exception of Senator Mitt Romney, who voted for he voted for one of the articles, but I believe my Republican colleagues were more motivated by blind partisanship than by their constitutional duties. So I was I was very involved in the House's impeachment inquiry because I sit on the intelligence committee. And, you know, we, we, we've, we've heard from, we've heard testimony. Uh, a lot of it was in a top secret uh, uh, setting. Uh, much of it was public, as you saw. Uh, we heard from, from very principled public servants, many of whom are apolitical. They're not wedded to any political party. We heard from military personnel. And what they told us made it clear that this president abused his power and he jeopardized our national security. And I, I, I voted to impeach the president, and I do it again, not because of my personal feelings about the president and his policies, but because he clearly committed impeachable offenses. You know, in America, no one is above the law. I'm not above the law. You're not above the law. We're not above the law, not even the president. So his acquittal, it doesn't mean he's innocent. An acquittal means very little if, if the law is effectively rigged. So I'm, I'm open to efforts through the Intelligence Committee to continue getting the answers uh, regarding the president's actions toward Ukraine. But, you know, we, we still have to continue to hold this president accountable. It seems his acquittal has really unchained and unleashed him even further. Absolutely. And he continues to abuse his power even more. So it's important that we have to keep him in check. And it doesn't stop with Congress. It, it begins and ends with all of us making sure we participate in the political process. Congressman, this empower activists as well. Congressman, this time of year, uh, we always uh, get in touch with you because you are giving a lot of opportunities with the Youth Opportunities Fair. It is that time again. Uh, for folks who've never heard about it and for folks who've been there time and time again, uh, tell us about it. Yeah, so, you know, we have two job fairs every year. Uh, we have our Youth Opportunities Fair. And we have our, our traditional job fair. So it's our seventh annual Youth Opportunities Fair. It'll be held on Monday, March the 16th. It's from noon to 7 p.m. at the Indianapolis Central Library. So this, this event, it, it presents students and parents with a variety of year-round and summer employment, internship, volunteer, and service opportunities for youth of all ages. So we have non-working youth. Uh, kids under 14 who can connect with local service providers who will offer summer and year-round programs as well as volunteer opportunities designed for young people of all ages. So you have kids who will have opportunities. Now, some of these opportunities are paid and some are unpaid. The beauty of it is that the experience you gain from these, from these opportunities could yield into scholarships. They could evolve into a possible lifelong career. Uh, they could evolve into a setting where you're learning what it means to be uh, an employee, a coworker, ultimately maybe a CEO. So, you know, we're going to have professional volunteers who will provide learning sessions on interviewing skills, resume reviews, and post job fair tips to follow up even with employers. The event is free. It's open to the public. I encourage all children 
parents and caretakers to attend. So there's no RSVP required. You can come as you are, but please, 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 if you're too young to drive, have a loved one or someone who cares about you take you to this youth opportunity fair to participate. We're going to have schools all over the city come and participate. We're going to have the Children's Museum. We've had the FBI present. We've had uh, the local public library. We've had Amazon. We've had FedEx show up. So many employers, so many opportunities. The Children's Museum, the Indianapolis Zoo show up. Radio One, our, our Radio One family has shown up um, just as an opportunity to really give back. So, you know, it, it, it's not a members of Congress's you know job duties, if you will, to uh, provide jobs. We secure taxpayer dollars for local government to produce jobs. But this is us going beyond the call of duty. You know, when folks say, what is so-and-so doing? What is Ebony doing? What is Cameron doing for our community? You know, what is Andre Carson doing for mm-hmm. us? He's yep. not only trying to stop a reckless president, he's going beyond the call of duty and Team Carson to talk to employers. To yep, say, to bring hey, some opportunities to the community. Bring some opportunity, absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 and we won't stop there, Ebony. In August, we're going to have our adult job fair for grown folks. Which is amazing, yeah. We got it for young people and old people, absolutely. Uh Uh-huh, indeed. Well, Congressman, we want to thank you so much for your time and for your commitment to the community. Thank you so, so much for making time to speak with us today, and we'll be talking to you again soon. You better know it. All right. All right. Thank you, Congressman. We appreciate you stopping by this morning. Congressman Carson joining us live this morning here on Open Lines. Indianapolis, we are about to break some news here on the show this morning. As we have said, the IPS bus drivers have got the attention of the city and their superintendent. Neither party is happy after having to cancel bus service on Friday. Uh, I was at the press conference. Alicia Johnson was not a very happy person. Uh, We cover this extensively here on the airwaves at Radio 1 and across the street on my station, RTV6. What no station has had until this morning are the actual IPS bus drivers. You will get to hear directly from them in this exclusive interview right here on the Open Line Show. Stay tuned. Myself and Ebony Chappelle will be right back with breaking news from the IPS bus drivers. This is the Open Line Show. Hi, this is Oshia Record newspaper and Indiana Minority Business Magazine. You're listening to Open Lines with Ebony Chappelle and Cameron Riddle. And welcome back, Indianapolis. Good morning to you. I'm Cameron Riddle. Uh, alongside Ebony Chappelle uh, for Open Lines on the first Sunday, uh, well, the first day, I should say, of March. Uh, the year is blown by. There's been a lot to talk about, and that continues here this morning, right, Ebony? Absolutely. So we shared earlier in the show that we have some breaking news. Um, For the first time, we are hearing from IPS bus drivers um, speaking out and sharing their side following the massive call off on Friday, which resulted in IPS having to cancel bus service for thousands of students. Um, Right now, we have two guests with us to speak um, on behalf of the bus drivers. Yes. So um, as you know, 
Alicia Johnson, the superintendent, was uh, very fired up. She was angry. She made that very clear. Uh, on Friday, she called the day a travesty. She called the drivers rogue. I was the reporter who asked her at the press conference, why do you call them rogue? And she said, uh, because they violated something that their union asked them not to do. Um, and there was a whole lot that was said. Um, and I even asked her, well, why do you think this happened? She said um, it is her belief that the drivers called off in protest of this decision to give the transportation contract to first student. That's what she says. Um, but we have not heard from the bus drivers and why they called off. Maybe there was a possibility, as the uh, union counselor said, that 70 people were sick or 70 people had something go on. So what exactly really went down? Uh, we're talking to the bus drivers for the first time, the first station to do so right now here on Open Lines on Hot 96.3 and 106.7. In the studio with us is Catherine Veeler, a retired IPS driver, and Yolanda Gray, a former IPS driver, both of them representing uh, their union brothers of Local 661. Uh, that union uh, represents the drivers who are directly employed by IPS as well as the drivers who uh, work for Durham uh, School Services. It was drivers of both organizations that called out uh, Sick Friday. So let's start there because everybody is going is wondering right now uh, what's going to happen Monday. Ladies, first, thank you for stopping by and talking to us about this. Catherine and Yolanda, let's start with Friday. What really went down? First, we want the community to know that it was in no shape or form a retaliation into uh, into regards of them giving the contract to a uh, first student that wasn't um, that wasn't the statement that w they wanted to uh, be said before the mm -hmm. community mm -hmm. um, when we say that or when they say that um, they were ill or they were sick since this has taken place these drivers have came to work faithfully the afternoon after they gave them that information, all drivers came to work. Even after the meeting downtown at the school board, all drivers came to work. So if they were going to retaliate, those would have been the times to retaliate. It has been a whole 30-plus days since mm -hmm. they received that information, and these drivers have been faithfully coming to work to transport these children back, transport the children back and forth. Um, I believe when you say illness or sick, it's the mental stress mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. not knowing your future. It's the stress of what you have to deal with when you come into work after you have already been given this information and you giving your all only to be threatened with, you know, disciplinary actions. If you use the allotted sick time that you have accumulated by coming to work in the first place. Mm. Uh Catherine, you're retired. Yes. Um, how many years did you drive for IPS? I started in 1988. Okay. And I retired in 2015. So you've seen a lot. I've seen a lot. And I've seen how the company has did a 360 of changes. The morale of the drivers was at zero. Mm -hmm. You know, new management coming in with... Um, not giving the drivers any type of consideration. I, I, I just look at it like this. I'm just have to tell it to you how I truly feel in my heart. Give it to me straight. Yeah. I'm a retired bus driver, but they are my family. 
mm-hmm. I still stay in touch with them. And some of the things that I was hearing after I had left was really saddened me. You know, I'm not going to tell you that I didn't get angry because I was, because it's been unfair treatment to drivers that I know. And some of them I trained because I became a trainer in mm-hmm. 207. Okay. Good drivers. Look at their records. No accidents compared to nationwide. Mm-hmm. They've come to work. Speaking for myself, I have come to work slow, sleet, or hell mm-hmm. to drive the school bus because IPS never closed. Right. Yeah. Everybody else right. would be closed but us. Absolutely. And we would be out on the road in buses that, oh, they got some decent buses now. Now, But yeah. when we came up, we had some of the worst buses, but we still came to work because we had families to take care of. I was a single parent. I had children to think about. Plus, being a mother, I know these kids got to get to school because there's parents that have to go to work that cannot afford a babysitter. We are very aware of that. Everybody that works for at IPS have children. We're there because we need everybody is, is, is in a giving state. You, you got a service that we need, and we're giving you our best. And over the years... I tell you, I used to love to come to work, mm-hmm. but that start, that changed so much because the atmosphere changed. The way we were being treated, I'm going to tell you, when I first started for insurance, I could afford it. I was only making $8 an hour when I first came, mm. but I had my whole family on there. Plus, that was four, a husband, mm-hmm. and a grandson. Mm-hmm. I wasn't paying but $21. Mm-hmm. One thing I wanted to have you ladies speak on, um, because we haven't heard the bus driver's feedback on this, but on Friday when the press conference happened Mm -hmm. and the bus drivers were referred to as rogue employees and their actions caught reprehensible, Mm -hmm. what were the thoughts that was going through your mind when you heard that? The thoughts that went through my mind, it was very unprofessional, Um, definitely not a true definition of the drivers that transport the students to IP transport the students every day and if you feel like that they are those kind of drivers or employees why are you why do you have them transporting your students that definitely is not the character of the ips drivers the ips drivers to me are dedicated drivers hard-working drivers regardless of what they are given they make it happen they get those kids to and from school safely without incident 90 probably 90 percent of the time and not only are they drivers we, as a driver, you are more than a driver to some of these students. Mm-hmm. They look forward to seeing you. You are the only happy point of their day. But it was, to me, very unprofessional, very, very, for her to be the superintendent mm-hmm. and say that about these drivers. And I also want to touch on the point of um, saying that, um, of the statement that the superintendent made about um, them the superintendent and upper management not having enough time to let the parents know that the children wouldn't have transportation. She stated in her statement, if I heard her correctly, stating that it started the night before. Mm-hmm. And if it started the night before and it got out of control by morning, then you had enough time to notify these parents. They're at five, they stopped taking uh, call-ins at 5 o'clock. At 5 o'clock, you're considered a no-call, no-show. No show. Mm-hmm. So they knew well before 
5.30, which is, that's what she said in her statement, by 5.30 calls started coming in. That is no way the truth whatsoever. So I feel like she made that statement to direct a negative impact on the drivers versus the administration having to take responsibility for their negligence of notifying the community and the parents. Now, um, throughout all of this, of course, the kids are the ones who are caught in the middle. But Friday obviously showed the importance of the school bus driver, because without you, it only took the number continued to change throughout the day from IPS of how many people called off. But the last number they gave was 95 drivers in attendance who called out um, out of the 550 or so uh, that run routes uh, for the district. With that said, uh, we talk about the families who this impacts. And one of the families um, that is also directly impacted but has not been talked about are the families of the bus drivers and the attendants who work, uh, do this job. Being a school bus driver um, is is a difficult job to hold because of that summertime when you're, if you're not running summer school routes, you're not getting paid. And that's why we lose so many drivers over the summer because they go find other things. So being a school bus driver for 20 plus years, five years, is means you have dedicated yourself to the job and you make... Um, alterations in your life so that you can do that job. You know, you save some money so you can make it through the summer. So my question is, how are the bus drivers um, feeling about their families when they go to first student? The issue is there are a lot of things that have not been set in stone, including driver pay, including exactly what benefits the drivers are going to get, uh, including the hours the drivers are going to work. Um, it is a bus driver's market right now. Every school district in this city is hiring school bus drivers, except Speedway schools, because they don't have buses. Mm-hmm. But every single district would take a driver right now who has a good, clean record. If you can drive an IPS bus tomorrow, Washington, Perry, Lawrence, Wayne, whoever will take you on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So that's why it is the concern of the drivers, right, that, look, if you guys aren't going to get things together And I'm not going to know what my life is going to be like until June. I need to know now. If not, I need to make plans because all these other drivers, all these other districts are hiring. And regardless if I have a job or not, my bills are still going to come on the first. Well, well, um, in response to that, that's why the drivers want them to know it's not about them selling the contract to first students. It's about what they are walking into. Mm -hmm. A lot of drivers have been here 30 plus years. They don't know if they're going to have insurance when they go over there. IPSs, to me, did not take into consideration of the bigger picture, their insurance, the retirement benefits, and the other things that they have right now that they won't have with this company. And then, again, I'm going to say that it's about um, since you sold the company, all of the stipulations that are being placed on the drivers as to what they cannot do. Mm-hmm. They cannot use their sick time, and if they use their sick time, then they're going to be disciplined. They offered a loyalty bonus of $2,000, I believe, but it's so many stipulations behind that that half the drivers are not even going to be eligible for, eligible for that. So I think what the drivers really want to want want out of this is for them to be compensated for the change. You mm-hmm. know, They don't want to offer them a separation severance. They don't want to pay them out fully for the sick days that they have accumulated from being faithful drivers, they don't want to give them anything. They just want to cut them off and send them over here. And some people, this is not a job. This is a career. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and you're taking that from them. And as you said, health insurance, that's very important in today's world. Yes, Most of these are mothers, single mothers. And then I'm going to say this also, by this change happening and them not knowing if first student is going to hire them, some of these parents, some of these drivers are single mothers, and some of them are married family, married husband and wives. Mm-hmm. So that's impacting their income in their household totally. Mm-hmm. So l- let me... Um say I have been at the school board meetings where where this was first introduced. I've covered IPS uh, and and transportation several times um, throughout this, every time, I should say. And at that school board meeting, when all of these drivers walked in in green shirts um, to give their opinion on um, first student, as you said, it wasn't so much about first student. It was that um, the things that affect your life directly had not been set in stone. As the union, uh, Dave Robertson, the council leader, has said numerous times, uh, they felt, uh, the drivers felt blindsided uh, by this. This came up very quickly. It was it was in school board documents. It was introduced. And there was a hearing one week, and then the next week it was voted on. All but one school board member voted in favor of this. Um, for her, there were too many things that just weren't, um, clear and defined. Um, there were the the gentleman from from first student did get up and speak, and he said, "Well, um, the drivers will make more under um, first student by the hour." Um, the issue is, it's the details that come with when you say you're going to make more by the hour. Mm-hmm. Um, he says there's going to be a four hour right now, and we don't know what has changed. Since this last conversation, he says there'll be a four hour minimum for the IPS drivers of uh, of what they'll make under first student. A lot of drivers are getting an eight hour or a six hour minimum right now. So that's another one of the things that um, has not been set in stone as well as the benefits. What I'd like to say is when I found out about how they were told in the AM that they were not going to no longer have a job Mm -hmm. when June came Mm -hmm. and these drivers was devastated and they had to go back out and drive and pick those children up to take them back home. And you said that's not dedicated. Can you imagine the stress that they was feeling, but they pushed through it because these are the type of drivers that work for IPS. Mm -hmm. We make our way. We go on and we press through whatever the difficulties that was set before us. If they wanted to be a rogue driver, as mm-hmm. she called them, mm-hmm. they would have left and not came back that particular day. But they care about the students. We're not just dri- Those are our kids. And for them to make these decisions and not even talk to the driver, I know they got this right to work and mm-hmm. bill and all that stuff, but it's not fair. But... In, in order for them to consider the drivers, they should have got a package here, okay? If this is what it's going to be, you're guaranteed you're going to be over here with this company, da-da-da, and this is what they're going to offer you. Yeah. They didn't do none of that. And I'm really upset. When I worked, I had perfect attendance mm-hmm. when I left. To have that many sick days and for you to tell me that, I'm not going to be eligible for it. I was eligible for those sick days because I came to work every day. You got people 
that have maybe over 4,800 sick days, and you're going to tell them you're not getting that money. Now, has that been determined yet that drivers are not going to be cashed out, or is that still up in the air? They've made an offer from, if if don't quote me, but if I'm, you know, don't have it correctly, I think if they have um, one day for two. Okay, yes. That's something like that. And that's usually how it goes. Yeah, now one thing that I definitely wanted to um, jump in on here on Friday when all of this news came out, Mm -hmm. a lot of people, um, well, from IPS perspective, what they were sharing were all of the students that missed out on learning days, missed out on testing, missed out on meals, et cetera. Um, I hear and I feel your passion talking about how much you care about the students Mm -hmm. as someone that transported them every single day back and forth to school. What do you want parents in the community that's listening to know um, from the bus driver's perspective, um, you know, following everything that happened on Friday, because that was the narrative that was running is rogue employees, reprehensible actions. They put these students in a bad spot. What do you want the community to know about what the bus drivers feel and what's truly in their hearts. The community should know they had ample time. They knew Thursday night that what was going, you know, some of the drivers are called off. But like I say, under the the pressures and different things, it's it's already stressful mm-hmm. being a bus driver. Mm-hmm. Everybody can't come and do it. They can't come behind them vests and come and do what I mm-hmm. what I did. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you, hands down. But for them to um, say that we don't care about, we've proven that. We've been there 15, 20, 30 years. We've proven that. I was there when we had the township Mm -hmm. schools. Mm -hmm. We're on the highway Mm -hmm. four times a day. And and I won't necessarily, um, I want the community to know that the drivers in no shape, form, or fashion meant to hurt the parents Mm -hmm. or the students. Mm -hmm. But um, without saying Parents look into the company that they gave your transportation department to. Mm-hmm. And at, then ask yourself, do they care about the transportation of your student? And for those of you who don't know, First Student previously had the contract with IPS 10 years ago before they switched to Durham School Services. Exactly. And then are, yes. is now going back exactly. to First Student. Look at why they let them go. L- look into who they who they have been since then. Let- and then ask the, yourself as a parent, does IPS care about the transportation of your students are where they are. They just looking out for them. I know you got something to say, but let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. What happened Friday? What happens tomorrow? And and while you give that answer, I want folks to know um, that there are, are, are uh, you're hearing from two bus drivers right now who are representing uh, a, a room full of bus drivers that we have here who are um, all listening and wanting to know, um, uh, want you to know that, What's going on with IPS? So there are a room full of bus drivers here. Um, I'm curious to know from you guys listening, as we have just a few minutes left here in the show, um, it, it, it seems like a, a lot of the people, I think social media is um, is not always reality, but I look at all the comments that we had on Friday from this story, and it seems that the majority of the people out there who were uh, who saw this story were in support of the bus drivers. We heard from parents who mm-hmm. um, were obviously like, hey, look, my kid didn't go to school. I'm not happy about that. We heard from other parents who said, my kid didn't go to school, but you know what? I support my bus driver. Absolutely. I support my kid's bus driver. So in the last five minutes, you guys can call in 239-9696. I'd like to know what you guys think about the situation uh, with the IPS.
guess, bus drivers, but ladies to use. We take callers at 239-9696. What happened Friday? What happens tomorrow? Um, real quick, Willie. Um, it's to be determined. That's all that we, we can say, but, I mean, it's to be determined. Is IPS going to continue to treat their drivers like that? Are they going to continue to not care about the well-being of the drivers and their families and how they're going to live? It's bigger. It's bigger than the kids not getting picked up going to school. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that that's how IPS as administration is trying to get across to the community that it's about the kids. It's bigger, way bigger than that. Way, way bigger than that. Okay, we got, I, I threw out the phone number and the line is now suddenly busy with everybody. Uh, right. We've got just a couple of minutes <laughs> left in the show, but it's important but, to hear what, what folks out there are saying. Right, Go real ahead. quick, can mm-hmm. I uh, yes. make a comment until you said it's yep. that the drivers are going to be paid two for one for the sick time, mm-hmm. but they cannot miss a day. And then okay. on the uh, her conference Friday, she stated about this contract that she has right within the contract to, dem- to dismiss the drivers. But if she's going to mention the contract, she needs to honor the contract all the way around the board, not where it's just beneficial to them because they broke the contract mm-hmm. when they sold it to the contract. And I do want to let uh, folks out there listening know that we over at Channel 6 did do a little digging on Friday when she made the statement in the press conference that um, drivers could be, uh, she would investigate to see if folks had doctor's notes. And if you couldn't provide a doctor's note, you could you could face disciplinary action after they made individual calls. We did go ahead and pull the policy manual, and we did not find anything in there that said after one day a driver exactly. needs Thank to you for that. provide that kind of documentation. Exactly. So we did do a fact check on that. We pulled the union contract mm-hmm. and the IPS bus driver's policy manual. We did not find that. If that is different uh, than folks wanting hear about it typically the policy in any job especially in school districts is if you are out three days or exactly. more then you need a note for exactly. the fmla yes. purposes mm-hmm. so let's go to the phone lines real quick we're running out of time here on the show the phone lines are hot caller on line one good morning go ahead good morning i just wanted to call and say i support um the best drivers like she said uh, the young lady said this morning that this is a career to most people and with indiana being an at will state they feel that anything can happen or can with this cause. I do know that this is unionized, so what is the union doing to back the drivers is my question and concern because um, people, like she said, have been doing this for 10 plus years, and it's just not right just for somebody to come out and force everybody to do something that they've been dedicated to for the longest of time and trying to use the kids as a crutch, saying that they couldn't go to school or they had to walk in the conditions where they should have thought about the conditions before it got to the point to where they got to now. All right. Thank you so much. Um, before we respond to that, I want to go to the other calls, just run through all of these uh, mm-hmm. real quickly because we're getting toward the end of the show. But the phone lines are hot. Caller, good morning. You are live on the air. Yes, thank you for taking my call. I'll be real quick here. And uh, uh, it's, it's awful crazy when the election uh, cycle right now. We've got a Democratic majority council in the city. We've got a Democratic mayor. I haven't heard a word from Bob Osley. Haven't heard a word from Joe Hawks. Said, you know, the Democrats claim to support labor and organize unions. Uh, United Steelworkers went on strike 45 days because they knew that they would be outsourced and downsized when new companies come in. They always want to cut the higher salaries. They always want to try to bring in lower pay. That's what the UAW fought. That's why they were out there 45 days almost. So I support the drivers. We're supposed to be about pro-work. Trump says he's about pro-workers. I'm telling you, if you don't hear from the leadership of the city, 
uh, you'll know where it stands. And maybe we need to go to the uh, polls and get people in there who are going to help support workers and make sure people are treated fairly in this in this uh, society. Thank you. All right. Thank you, sir. Uh, let me keep going to another phone call right now. Who's on line three? Good morning. Hi, this is John. I'm a retired IPS bus driver. And I want my co my ex coworkers know I all the way because what IPS is do- have done is dead wrong. It's, and the, the writing been on the wall for years though. They tried that years ago where they had some drivers a uh, a buyout, you know. But my thing is the union is not supporting them the way they should because uh, it's not right. All right, sir. Thank you very much. One last call. You have 30 seconds. Uh, no, I'm going to give you 20 seconds. Caller on line one because I got to go. I got to go pay some commercials. Keep the lights on here at Radio One. Caller, good morning. Good morning. 30 seconds. Go. Yes, I am actually an IPS employee as well as my mother was an Indianapolis public school bus driver that has retired. Um, so this is very personal to me. Um, I feel as if the superintendent should have waited to release a statement of such, I was very bothered by the rogue comment that she placed upon those drivers. I know these drivers take those children's safety very serious. I know for a fact that they love what they do because it shows. I know for a fact that a lot of times when they're tired or a lot of times when they don't have even the resources, they're running back and forth here and there. They're not getting their middays when they go over to First Student. First Student has been a company that's filed bankruptcy in, in the past. So why would we entrust that they are going to care for our students the way that we have done these entire, what, centuries and centuries on on top of it. My thing is, I feel as if there is no support from the union, there is no support from the school district, and this does not lie upon the drivers. The parents, I am not only an IPS parent, but I also run a daycare where I service IPS children. And even though it was an inconvenience where we had to have extra children in our care, we knew that at the end of the day, the concern was greater than just going out on those bus stops and picking up children. I watched parents get very upset, but my thing with the parents is start going to some of these school board meetings. It shouldn't have took anybody by blindside because if you were active in your child's learning and educational needs, then you would know this was coming. They had multiple board meetings before this decision was made. Nobody showed up. All right. Thank you so much. Hey, look, we are completely out of time. Catherine and Yolanda, thank you for coming on. The phone lines are on fire, Ebony. Um, so we'll have to continue this conversation. <sighs> we, will. And, we will. And we will do just that. We will do that tonight on RTV6. You will uh, continue to hear from these bus drivers from the first time. The only outlets to bring that to you are here at Radio 1 and across the street at my other newsroom, RTV6. Ebony, we got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. Ladies, thank you again for your bravery and coming on. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. This is Open Lines. Tune in next Sunday for more captivating news and conversation. This has been The Open Line Show. Have a great day. Peace.